another episode of God's Healing Component. Today, we explore part two of the kingdom of God and its relation to healing. Who is the king? The following scriptures may be familiar to you, but I chose them to help us to answer the question. Who is the king of the kingdom of God in the earth? Isaiah 9 and 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We come into the New Testament and we see in Hebrews, the writer quotes Father God as he speaks. And he writes this, But of the Son he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Jesus, the Son of God, he is the king. In history, there have been good kings and bad kings. If a king rules with selfish motives and cares nothing about his people, it can not only be difficult to follow such a person, but many times they lost their throne. However, if the king is kind and has the best intentions for his people, then he is a person worth following. Jesus came preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God, saying, It is here in our midst. Through demonstration, he proved its presence, mercy, love, and power. As a man anointed of God, he confronted sin and darkness in its different forms and was victorious in every encounter. He walked in the wisdom of the kingdom of God and the love of his Father. His purpose and desire were to reintroduce the kingdom of God to men, to establish it, and then make it accessible to those passionate enough to seek it. He debuted in Genesis as a woman's seed who would crush the serpent's head. Isaiah describes him with accolades, but in later chapters, pictures him as the suffering servant, the one who would bear our punishment without complaint at the cost of his life. King David and Isaiah prophesied his death and intimated his resurrection. Zechariah spoke of his return. Mary and Joseph would play their part, and the Son of God, the Messiah, our King, would be born and raised as a man. I like the way Paul described this in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. He wrote this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. However, he was not what his people expected. He came to earth first as the suffering servant. Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 5 aptly describe this. As Isaiah writes, he says, He was despised and rejected of mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. John the Baptist described him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins 
of the world. In John chapter 1, verse 29, relating him to the temple sacrifice for sin. John the Apostle wrote that his people did not recognize him or receive him. They spoke of his coming, but were looking for a conquering king, one that would free them from oppressive Roman rule. His birth into this earth, his purpose and ministry at that time did not include freedom from Roman rule or the establishment of an earthly kingdom. He came to die. Here he opened the eyes of the blind, healed the brokenhearted, freed the prisoners of the kingdom of darkness, and declared the presence of the kingdom of God. He demonstrated his power and authority over the kingdom of darkness by healing those made sick through their interaction with the realm of darkness, the curse of sin, and their fear of death. He did this by raising the dead and casting out demons. He revealed the power of the kingdom of God to provide when he fed multitudes and its authority when he commanded storms to be still and walked upon the water. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he broke the power and rule of the kingdom of darkness, redeeming those who accepted his sacrifice as their payment of sins and offenses against God. His blood cleansed them of sin, making them acceptable to God and inaugurated a covenant between him and Father God, making available and accessible kingdom citizenship and sonship to man once again. Those who make the decision to accept the sacrifice of Jesus as their payment for sins and pledge their allegiance to the kingdom of God, enter into this covenant. This covenant is a covenant that is true. The person that enters in has been purchased from the kingdom of darkness by the blood of Jesus. We are brought into the family of God as the children of God and made joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We rule and reign in this life, fulfilling the mandate given to Adam through Christ and continue the ministry of Christ in the earth. Every believer is born again into the kingdom of God, and they carry the presence of God and the Holy Spirit as a teacher, guide, and comforter. You see, the Holy Spirit, he is God's guarantee of the dominion he has promised us and evidence of the liberation from the kingdom of Satan. So who is the king? Jesus, the Son of God. He is our returning king. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 21-22 says this. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything to the church. The church, his body, is the agent by which he maintains his presence in the earth. But let it be known, he has said, he will return. He will come back. Paul wrote about it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is from heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, Jesus said this, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. 
Revelations chapter 1 verse 7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. So the question, of course, is this. Who is your king? We all have something that rules our hearts and thereby rules our life. What is the person, place, or thing that dictates your life? It will be the thing that takes up your time, influences you the most, the thing that you think you can never live without. So who do you follow? You know, free will is terrific because you are free to exercise it at any time. And so therefore, change your, your trajectory in life. Commit your life to him. He is a good king. Making Jesus your choice, making him your king, means that you trust all that the Bible says about him, that it is true. Following God's instructions, how to live, sets you free again. I extend the eternal invitation to all, whether you are a citizen or not. You see, there is more, irregardless. Come and taste that the Lord is good. My prayer for you is, Father God, in Jesus' name, open the eyes, touch the heart of the one who hears this message. And allow them to feel a sense of your presence so that they would know that you are real. Amen.